Hi, I'm Aaron Kornblit, and this is the Great Design Lead Podcast. I am a YouTuber, automator, uh, terrible designer, and right now <laughs> I just joined Webflow's education and community team as a senior product education manager. Perfect intro on the first try. Thank Look you. At you. Thank you. I know. It's, <laughs> it's almost my job to do this on the first try. I feel like if, if I had made you do it multiple times, that would, that would betray what I do. So I'm happy that I got it <laughs> on the first try. I've been so excited to hang out with you. Likewise. Yeah. Excited yeah. to be here. A little, a little worried, but excited <laughs> to be here. Worried. <laughs> well, I think, you know, it's called the great design lead podcast. And I, and I feel like you've had many great designers and then me who, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I do not design. I, I implement designs maybe, but design is, is not something I do, but oh. <laughs> excited, excited to be here nonetheless. Yeah. I, I love having all different kinds of people and I've had, um, uh, developers on, I've had copywriters on, um, and it's just so fun to talk to people about their lives. And somebody the other day said, okay, so what's your, your podcast about? And I'm like, well, I kind of have web people on and then I don't really talk about web. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, that's very interesting. It's a unique approach. And I said, uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, you know, uh invite people you want to hang out with. So that's that's always good. And I'm excited to hang out with you for a couple hours. Yeah, yeah. Um I my my favorite question to ask people when um I first hang out with them um is when you were a little kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Yeah. Uh, it's a good question, and I and I knew it was coming, so I I, I thought about it. Um, I, my my earliest memory of being wanting to be anything was uh, do you remember the show Ali McBeal or Ali? Yeah, the, like it was like a lawyer on TV, and uh, I remember telling my parents, "I'm like, oh, I want to be a lawyer," and mainly because that show made it look cool. And then later I realized, like, yeah, being a lawyer seems to suck. <laughs> <laughs> And so I did not become a lawyer. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I, I come from, from, I, I don't know if I come from immigrants, I am an immigrant. And so for me, it was like very important to have one of those like white collar professions, uh, whether that's lawyer or doctor, uh, accountant, whatever, something stable and, 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 uh, you know, even my parents wanted like, you know, just have something that you can always have a job. So for me, lawyer was like, yeah, that would make sense. I remember doing mock trial in uh, middle school and there was a point in my time where I wanted to be a lawyer too for probably maybe similar reasons. Yeah. Like it, it seemed very legitimate. It seemed very like serious and exactly. like you're an important person. Right. Right. You get to wear a suit every day, even though uh, I didn't own any suits or have a desire to wear a suit. It, it, it looked good on other people. So, yeah. So when you say that um, you're an immigrant, you, I'm talking about like, Canada to US but when you're talking about your parents what does that mean No so so I I was born in Austria of uh Ukrainian parents so both my parents are from Crimea we speak Russian at home and uh so I immigrated to to Montreal Quebec when I was about a year maybe 2 years old um so yeah yeah also I guess immigrated to the the US about 7 months ago but I don't I don't feel like immigrated is the right word i moved to the u.s you know, i feel very at home here too um so yeah so uh 
that was more of a of a difference in culture, if you will, when I moved from, I mean, not that I remember, I think more of a difference of culture between like my parents' culture and the local culture, um, you know, coming from uh, communist Russia to uh, Canada, Quebec, you know, French Canada, if you will. So, so yeah, there was definitely a, more of a culture shark there. That must've been an incredible experience for your parents. Just like, overwhelming uh so so much of a different culture yeah i i I think so obviously you know anyone moving to something completely foreign unknown uh you know um i think quebec was extremely welcoming it was a great place uh and so i think the the feeling that my parents had mostly was like gratitude more than anything else obviously yeah you know having two kids moving to a new country uh it was crazy but like i remember like my parents got a car and they were like we have a car this is crazy <laughs> you know um and um definitely kind of like um you know for me being like i went to like french school so i had like french canadian friends and i would speak russian at home and like english with friends and so uh, it was definitely like a like a something to navigate through but um you know obviously my parents felt overwhelmed maybe is the word that people use or or you know stress but you know i think it was mostly a feeling of gratitude if anything of like it's great that we get to live here did your parents ever talk to you about what it was like where they were growing up in comparison to where you were growing up you know sometimes like bribe like bribs bribs is that the word like uh you know uh like like some parts right i think when you uh immigrate somewhere better you kind of focus on the present more so than like let me drudge up some stories of you know communist russia and i think this is a common experience i think about amongst uh immigrants where your parents are like hey this is new yeah you know there was some bad stuff that happened before but let's focus on what's happening now so they we did we do very rarely sometimes talk about it um I, I try to learn a little more uh, and I try to pull out, you know, stories here and there, but it's hard. It's hard. My parents are always like, yeah, let's not talk about that. It's fine. <laughs> you know, let's talk about where we are now. And I, and I think that's quite common amongst, um, you know, immigrant parents where they, they let go of the past pretty quickly. Um, my, uh, my experience with uh, Eastern Europe is uh i've actually i spent a month in serbia mm. um and a lot of the people that i was uh really good friends with and, and talking with um they would tell me stuff about uh their childhood and growing up and it was so incredibly different that my american brain started to like shut down <laughs> in what in what way was it different what was shocking to you if you will um like talking about um ration lines and mm. um talking about uh things that they had to go through to um uh keep their family afloat and things like mm. that and people were so open to talk to me about that because i think they knew that i didn't really know and they're right. like y- you need to understand what reality is right <laughs> and so um i mean at some points it was a little overwhelming because uh the, the fact that you don't know and then people talk to you about it you're like oh not only is this like a part of history like this person that i'm sitting with like lived through it and it's very real 
to them yeah. because it was only like a couple decades ago. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's quite a surreal experience. I know totally different part of Eastern Europe, but um, it was uh, um, something I'm not going to forget those conversations with people. Yeah. I mean, my parents, I guess, hid that, I guess, from me, knowing that they lived through it, but um, always, always saying, you know, we, we live here now, right? So that's like something we overcame, if you will, uh, and there's no need to talk about it. A very kind of uh, Soviet way of, of approaching <laughs> things, for sure. So um, what was your childhood in Quebec like? Like, what what kind of things did you do for fun when you were, I don't know, maybe like elementary school age? Yeah, I mean, so, so such a, I don't say weird, but lo- like a very different <laughs> from your regular French-Canadian upbringing, if you will. I remember just spending long stretching stretches of time being like, what should I go do, right? <laughs> and just not, I don't, I wouldn't say being bored is the right way of putting it, but like, you know, I, so I actually, my childhood, I remember, like, I like to explain it in stories where I realized how different mine was to other people's and just here are some examples, I guess. I remember coming home to a friend's house and he said, let's do homework. And I remember asking, you do homework? (laughs) (laughs) Like he had this, like this routine where he would come home and do homework uh, before his, you know, either his parents came home or whatever. And I, it just blew my mind that his parents would come and like check his homework. Right. And he looked at me as if I was crazy. Like you don't do homework. <laughs> I had just never understood that homework was something you like had to do. Right. And so, you know, my days as a kid were just like, okay, you know, go to the park. That is the day. That is like your activity for today. Or, you know, my mom, my mom run a dry cleaner and she would work on Saturdays. And what that meant was I needed to be occupied from like nine to five. Um, And so we went to the community center and she just went like, okay, so what activity do you have at like 9 a.m. on Saturdays? She was like, fencing? Great. Aaron, you're going to do fencing (laughs) from nine to 10. And I'm like, then she was like, what do you have at 10? They're like, well, basketball, Uh like, great. You're going to do basketball from 10 to 11. You're going to have lunch till 12. Um, And then, so I I had like this hodgepodge of like activities from like nine to five and the community center would know me because they'd be like, oh yeah, that's the dude who hangs out at the community center all day long on Saturdays. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, I had a a very active, fun childhood uh, of just like doing stuff not in like, um, I want to say organized, but like I had an older brother who's about seven and a half or, or eight years older than me. So he would often babysit. And honestly, I just like spend the whole day at the park and just make friends there. I would come home like super dirty, <laughs> um, like banged up knees or whatever. And then I would fight my parents to take a bath. Um, and then I would just do it all over again the next day. Um but, I, you know, I guess pretty quickly when I started going to school, or especially when I went to high school, uh, I realized how, like, that was not the experience that most kids my age had, right? Um, and, it, yeah, just a lot of 
not weird conversations, but I would say misunderstandings between like, you know, they had assumptions around what childhood was like. And I had assumptions around what childhood is like, and we just had very different experiences. Uh, Were there some other uh, things that maybe your friends told you and you thought, oh, that's the way you live your life? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that was... I wouldn't have thought to do that. Yeah, so many. I have so many stories of this. Um, and I a like good example. Yeah, so one example was I went to a public primary school with a, with a lot of, you know, recent immigrants. We were all learning French. And then I went to high school, which was um, private. But in Quebec, like, private is not, like, private in the U.S., where it's, like, it was somewhat, not somewhat expensive. You had to pay for it but Mm -hmm. it was much more accessible, right? It was still subsidized. Um, And I remember someone in the first year of high school. um, And yeah, I was like, I I did not understand what was going on like 95% of the time. In school? Just generally, like it was a, it was a, you know, my French was good, wasn't that good. Um, and, um, just like the, the, the shift, the vibe shift between primary school and high school was just very different. And, um, and so someone right before Christmas break or the holidays, someone said, where are you going on holiday? And I looked at him and I said, home, where are you going? I was like, is there school? Is there like activities that I'm missing? Like, what does, where are you going on holiday mean? Uh And he said, are you going down south? And I looked at him and I said, maybe a little south. You know, my, my, my grandparents do live like south of here, like maybe 10 blocks down. I might go south there. And had this like very weird conversation where like what that person meant was like are you going to like a resort are you going like to florida like and it took me like so much time to understand what that person meant i was like no i have never traveled like i i'm i live here like why would i go elsewhere um and i remember like when once i understood that conversation i went to see my parents and I told my mom, like, hey, why don't we go south? Like, why don't we go somewhere? And she was like, no, we worked really hard to be here, right? Like, we are not going anywhere because, you know, this, this like, we have spent our whole lives trying to get here. We don't need to, like, she was like, you have a grocery store, like, that just has food, right? Like, why would you want to go somewhere that may not have that, right? Yeah. And she was like, I was like, yeah, but I've heard like the winter is hard. And she's like, you're you're like 12 years old. You're fine. You know, <laughs> like you don't need a break. You're totally fine. Um, and so a lot of those like um, where there was, again, this assumption where, you know, for, for people at that school, it was like normal to travel, I guess, as a, as a, as a child, like even with your children during Christmas break. And for me, that was like, I didn't even know that people went places like that's wow. I'm like. That's crazy that you would live here in Montreal and want to leave. Like, this place is great, right? Like, why would you go on vacation while you're on vacation? 
yeah we're, I mean I mean yeah and it was just it was it was very weird to like go home and go to my parents and be like did you know that people like leave this place sometimes for like short breaks um and my parents were like we don't do that we're not gonna do that um n- now they travel which is great I'm really happy for them but um yeah just a lot of like especially in that high school phase where people would um I I just often would feel very lost in the conversations of like, oh, I didn't know that was a thing for you. And my parents were like, this is not a thing for you. We're not going to do that. What what was that like at the time where you're just like, oh, okay, well, now I understand. Like, how how do you react? Yeah, I, I you know, I, w- I was often very oblivious to it, right? Like, you know, a good example is like, you know, there was like a list of, of things you needed to have. And my parents were always like, eh, do you really need all those things? You know what I mean? Like, do you really need color coded, you know, uh, um, you know, packs of, of notebooks? Like, could you just have one big notebook? Like, what's the problem with that? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and, you know, you'd get to school and everyone's like super organized and, you know, have got all their stuff. And I'm like, I have one binder for everything, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> um, that's just how we did, you know. Like, um, so I, honestly, it was it was mostly fine. I don't, you know, it was it was actually just like a good childhood, right? Because I I didn't have the stresses I think of a lot of folks. Like, my parents were not like, let's go talk to your teachers. My parents were like, okay, what is the average in the class, right? Like, you just have to be close or above average that's fine you know like we don't want you to be first in class right as long as you're not misbehaving close to average and I always be like do you want to meet the teachers and they always be like no we know everything we need from this report card why would they give us a report card if they wanted us to meet the teachers it's like that's not a problem you'll be fine um so I think a lot of like the pressure that comes with being as a kid especially in like a private high school you know, my parents, uh, we just didn't have that because they were just like, hey, you got into the school. That's great. Even another story that was really funny. Uh, there was an exam to get into the school. Right. And so we get there and like, you know, I just like woke up that day and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go do this exam, you know, whoop, let's go. Right. And we get there and there's like this ambiance of stress. Right. Like the parents are there. Everyone's like, you got to, you know, and my mom was like, gets in the door and she's like, OK, man, I'll see you in about an hour and a half like orient yourself have fun let us know how it goes and she like leaves to do the groceries so i'm like by myself um and there's like this ambiance of stress and there was a break during the exam and i'm like just kind of you know hanging off hanging out on a bench by myself and i hear like other i guess you know potential students talking like that they studied that they came prepared (laughs) and like one of them was like oh how did like how did you prepare? And I'm like, yo, I woke up, had breakfast. Let's go. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I was like, I didn't know you had to prepare these things. Um, and so as much as like, not downsides, but I think there was like a lot less stress for me as a kid. Uh, Cause my parents were like, Hey, you got in like, great. Like just, now you just got to pass, right? You just got to, yeah. you know, you got to make sure. You, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's our goal. If you, you know, graduate this school, that's awesome. Um, and, and so, yeah, so it was, it was, uh, it was a different childhood, but I guess, uh, in some ways an advantageous one as well. 
And so you were one when you moved. And so that must mean that your brother was six. Uh, my brother, yeah, seven or eight. And, and I yeah. think it was, it was interesting for him because, you know, he 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 was born in Ukraine, uh, went to school a little there, then went like a couple years in Austria. So went to school there and then came to Quebec, you know, at the, uh, a little older than I was. Um, and so we were we were pretty close uh, when we were very young. He was more like a babysitter, I guess. And it was kind of crappy for him, to be honest, because he had to babysit <laughs> this like ludicrous child. <laughs> That's how you would describe yourself a ludicrous child. I am in. I so my mom always says, like, um, you know, my my I uh do do we have do we have time for stories? Is that okay? Oh, so, absolutely. We have plenty of time for stories. Okay. I love stories. So, um, you know, my my um my mom likes to tell this story of of my birth, which is weird to say on a podcast, but um <laughs> where uh you know she she's like she's in labor, gets to the hospital, um and the doctors are like, hey, like, to be honest, all the science says you should be giving birth. But your baby is just lazy, is like asleep. Right. And like, they were like, hey, like, we just got to like stimulate, just move, move, move. The... And she's like, it was a 24 hour birth, but it was actually wow. like 23 and a half hours of nothing of me just like sleeping, I guess. I don't know if I was truly sleeping. And then like 30 minutes of labor, super quick. And then I cried for like 0.1 second and then fell asleep for six months. I was like, I am tired of this. This was so much work. You really have to give me a break here. And then she said, I spent six months like just my parents were terrified. My mom was not terrified, but she was worried that I was like, just, just had a problem. Cause I was doing so little, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't like cry that much. She like, I was just a lazy, lazy child just always <laughs> sleeping and then after six months like she was like something happened and i just became this ludicrously loud active uh terrifying child the terrible uh, twos yeah for like no but she was like you just did not shut up after those six months <laughs> like even today so she's like i had six months of peace and then just activity for the next 30 years you know just like <laughs> all out balls to the wall you know all the time um so she was she always she says if only i knew that those six months were the like last peace and peace quiet i would life. get i would have enjoyed them much more instead of being worried um i think that there should be like a little club for all of the students or all of, all of like the people in life who when they were in elementary school on their report card they got the same phrase every every yeah. quarter which is like pleasure to have in class talks too much yeah honestly yeah that was that was me and and i think weirdly for me it was um i talked a lot in class i think out of boredom but also out of worry that like what is going on? And I think part of it mm -hmm. is like, I didn't, I didn't, I had glasses, but I think they weren't like strong enough or good enough or I got them late. And so they would put me in the back of the class and like the teacher would write on the, on the board. And I was like, I would like listen. And that's how I understood. Cause I didn't see the board. Oh, and, and then you probably I thought that was normal. Yeah. Right. And I was like, yeah. I got good glasses. I was like, Oh my God, you guys saw the board. Right? Like, oh man, that is so unfair. Right? <laughs> um yeah. And so so yeah, I was a, I was it, it was weird because I was a perennial talker in class. 
until about like, you know, I guess the 10th grade where I was like, you know what? It's kind of, it's kind of disrespectful to speaking class. Right. And then I just became one of those like very calm, doesn't talk in class. Um, I, there was like a day one after the other. I was like, you know what? Talking in class is not cool. Um, what age was that for you? Like 10, uh, no, not 10, uh, like, like 14, 15. I just remember being like, if everyone was like me, that would be like chaos. Right. <laughs> um, and yeah, I distinctly remember that. So then I stopped and, um, but yeah, no primary school, uh, just, yeah, just talking all the time. I think I've gotten better now. I don't talk as much as I used to. But those are the fun people, I think. I feel like the people that got that on the report card uh, ended up being good friends of mine. (laughs) (laughs) If if I were to uh, hang out with your brother, like, uh, one-on-one without you around, and I would Mm. ask him, like, what were you like as a kid? What do you think he would say? Would it be different than what you would say? He would say absolute pain in the ass. (laughs) Um, I think, I think, you know, when you, when you, um, we had an eight year difference or seven year difference and we shared a room. Really? Yeah. And not only you shared a room, I just think I remember that my grandma moved to Canada. And so we were three in a room. Right. And so I think when you have this, like, obviously he's my brother, like we've lived through so much stuff. And I think he has such a better memory of the crazy, stupid things that I did to him. (laughs) Right. That obviously he was like, you know, Aaron ruined my childhood or was just this huge pain in the ass. So no, honestly, I was a terrible, terrible child, right? So my brother is like this very calm, peaceful, you know, uh, thoughtful person, right? And I am just a lunatic as a child. So he would build these like uh, model train sets, right? Or like Legos. And I would be like, just waiting for him to be done. I'm like, are you done? Are you done? Are you done? And the second he'd be done, I would just break them apart. Oh right? my God. <laughs> and once, uh, and I, I don't remember this, but I feel absolutely terrible about it. He um, had this like model train set that he had saved for, or I remember like he got for his birthday and my mom would like hide it every time he'd be done playing with it. And once I got access to it and I snapped every single piece of his like prized toy yeah so i was just like a very terrible child and i'm so happy that he doesn't hate me every day for it which he has absolutely every right to and and so he's like a very was he kind of like a calm quiet person yeah yeah he was just like just you know never in trouble uh you know just a a good person i guess a good child and just a thoughtful brother uh you know always there for me and i was just like how can i make dimitri's life worse um <laughs> that was like yeah just just awful awful um so if he's listening thank you for for being a great brother and i'm deeply sorry for all the stupid things that i did um i've done a lot of uh babysitting and nannying and i have a a lot of uh, friends and family that also have done that it's like a normal thing i guess to do in in high school or or whatever and um Mm -hmm. the wild stories that my friends and i have about the kids that we would babysit is hilarious like especially around that age 
um i know someone who uh uh, she was babysitting this kid and this kid was supposed to do like her homework or something like that. Mm. And the kid literally took like Elmer's glue and right. put it on her eyes so that she wouldn't have to do her homework because she couldn't open her eyes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I would do that to myself if it meant not doing homework. Honestly. Yeah. Um, and it was just like the fact with little kids, like the things that they would think to do yeah. is just so foreign to Absolutely. what a fully developed person would do. Yeah. And then I, I truly feel awful for, um, there are some stories I can't even say on this podcast because it feel yeah. like it reflects so poorly on who I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, just deeply sorry for all that stuff. Um, and so when, when you got a little bit older, um, maybe kind of like middle school age, maybe 10 to 15 mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, what were what were you like after you decided, hey, maybe I I shouldn't talk in class? Like, yeah. um, how were you different? Yeah, I mean, so in high school, I started playing American football, um, which I think like gave me a lot of structure in life. You know, I think for me, when I start like before that, I would like end school at three thirty and be like, okay, like what am I going to go do? You know, I would like hang out at the park and just kind of bum around and then go home, watch some TV, you know? Um, and so I think that like, okay, we're going to practice four times a week and a game on the weekends and was kind of like my first ever immerse immersion into like proper French Canadian culture, if you will. <laughs> um, and, and, and I think from that point on, maybe that was like what triggered this like idea of like, okay, well, you know, if you put your mind to something, you can do cool things. Like I was always like a, a very um, active person, but now I could channel that into, you know, seeing improvement in something. Um, and that's probably where this idea of like, okay, well, like being an idiot is not all that I should do. <laughs> Right. And I think it occupied a lot of my time, which was great. Um, and it kind of, I don't want to say give me purpose, but gave me a lot of structure as a kid. Um, and so, yeah, so that was a big, big change and, you know, something I'm extremely grateful for today where, yeah, just absolutely love that. Did that for about five years. Um, and yeah, it means a lot. Were, were there any things that you like you learned doing that? And and I also was curious, uh, was all of that in French? Yes, all okay. in French. So I've I've actually never studied in English except when I did my masters. Mm. Uh, all of that was in French. Um, no, uh, sorry. The question was what what was yeah yeah like um uh, sometimes when when you do a sport and you're focused solely on that like, like you learn some stuff about yourself i've i've experienced that i don't know if you experienced that what what was your sport um mine was uh rowing so i was a coxswain on a crew team oh cool <laughs> yeah it was um, uh uh terrifying <laughs> terrifying in what way well when you're when you're on the water um and you're steering a boat and the safety of eight people are in your hands right. in order to not run the boat into a bridge um mm. it's it's scary <laughs> right i hadn't thought of that it's true that you, yeah. gotta, you gotta watch for bridges yeah um, um you know I, I i for me it was it was um 
it was just great to like work on something, right? I think it was like the first thing time where I'm like, hey, I'm going to get better at this. And like, we're a team. We're all trying to get better. Um, and it was kind of cool. Like, I think as a kid, you rarely get this idea of like, hey, like like class projects. I was like, yeah, whatever, man. Like, we're just, we just need to do it, right? It's just a thing. Like, I know people took it seriously, but I did not, right? And it was like the first time I took something seriously. And, it, you know, frankly, it's kind of pointless, right? It's like weird. Like, we want to be the best team. Who cares, right? Like, but it was just so serious to us. It was just so important. And um, I had never felt that before, uh, where as a group, we're all working towards one goal and we're all willing to like put in the time, put in the effort. And if you don't do that, like you're almost shunned by the group, which was kind of crazy. I was like a 12 year old, 13 year old. Right. So like, I think that's how a lot of people approach school, right. They're like, Oh, I got to like get good grades. I got to like do all these things for me. I was just like, ah, school is just somewhere you go. Right. And football, I was like, oh, my God, this is something where we got to be good. Um, and I think like being good at it or or being good enough at it was also like a way to meet people. Right. Like meet a lot of the my best friends today or folks I played football with. We were like football today is not like my life. I don't watch football. I had no ambition of becoming a professional player or, or <laughs> far from it. Right. It was just like a a, a, a great activity that structured um and gave me this insight into like oh if you actually put your heart and mind into something you, you can improve and like people are willing to follow you and groups along to do that type of stuff and that's that was pretty wild for me at like 16 years old or yeah. 14 yeah what was i doing at 14 i think i was i was doing swim team mm. um that was fun like relay races with your friends right um and I think that sports kind of can um, uh, make you connect with other people. I remember I would be put on a on a relay team with um, uh, these girls that I didn't know that well, or like they were very popular, and I was mm. I was not. And yeah. um, but for some reason, even though we were different grades, and like I looked at them as like in a totally different group, and if we were to be in like the cafeteria, they'd be at a totally different table for right. that like relay race. We we're all on the same team. We were all connected. We were all friends. Um, it was a little bit breakfast clubby. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you guys would race together and then all go your separate ways, if you will. You know? Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. No, for me, I didn't have that experience, right? So like the folks who I played with uh, became good friends, right? And I think also like it was a learning experience for me because like I didn't know what football was, right? Um, I joined the team because... Someone looked at me and was like, hey, like, you're a little overweight, you know, maybe this is like a good sport for you. Not in like, no, in, in the way that like, that might be good for you. And yeah. I was like, oh, cool. Okay, let's do it. And um, again, like so many weird stories where like, I remember going to the huddle and being like, where's the yellow line? Like, like, you know, how do I know where the first down is? And like, the person was like, do you actually think there's like a yellow line on the field? And I was like, wait, there isn't? Like, how do um, I... CGI from yeah, the I was NFL. Like, oh my god! Like, yeah, I didn't know that that was like a like a TV thing. Obviously, now I'm. It's obvious to me. Um, I remember, uh, like, so football pants have these like little pockets where you insert the pads. I had not noticed that there were pockets 
on my first practices. And so I didn't understand how people like people's pads were holding onto them. So I like <laughs> taped around my pants. Right. And the coach is like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> right. Like why do you have these straps of tape on your pads? And why are you the only dude that has that? And I was like, I'm Oh, smart. like, no. Cause, and he like, he like, you know, showed me and I was like, Oh, of course there are like little pockets for your pads. Right. Or, or the last thing I remember I was doing the tryouts and, um, I saw it. And this was like an indication of the school I went to, like everyone had gloves and cleats. And so like, there were two days of tryouts. Right. And they were like a couple of days apart. And so the first day I'm like, I think I'm doing pretty well, but I go to my parents and I'm like, Hey, I need like football gloves and cleats. And they're like, why you don't play football. I was like, oh, I'm doing the tryouts and maybe it'll like increase the chances that I make the team. And my mom said something I'll never forget. She was like, well, if you make the team without cleats or uh, football gloves, well, you'll definitely deserve your place, right? Like w- once you make the team, we'll talk about it. But if you can't make the team without these additional benefits, like maybe that's not the sport for you. And I was like, that makes no what? sense today. <laughs> like I, I, I get it. I get it. Um, I get why she said that. Cause then we, if I didn't make the team, we would just have a pair of gloves that I never <laughs> use. Um, but it was a good Jedi mind trick. Um, so I got, I made the team and it was still a big discussion about getting gloves and, and shoes really? after that. She's like, if you win your first game, if you win your first game, then you definitely deserve. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I had, I was okay after that. <laughs> were, um, were the coaches, uh, what did they say to you about uh, cleats and gloves? Oh, yeah. They were like, whatever, man. I think they were also of the opinion of like, you shouldn't go to tryouts with cleats and gloves. Like, honestly, I think my mom was right. Like, <laughs> if you can't catch a ball without gloves and you're 14 years old, like, maybe you shouldn't be on the team. And I think that was a fair point. Uh, so this uh, this is kind of an in-between stage between like early childhood and uh, um like pre-adult high school mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> that's my phrase for it pre-adult <laughs> um, uh, was there a difference in that age of you what you wanted to be um when you grew up like you went from lawyer was there a different idea at this middle school age no I think you know honestly like if we if you actually look at what I did um which I'm happy to like dive into but yeah um, you know for me I think like as a kid growing up and, and what I've been taught, it's always been like, find a good job. That's it. That was always, yeah. always the goal. Um, and so, yeah, when I was in high school, I wasn't, I wasn't like a lot of people like thinking of what I want to be, but I was obviously influenced a lot by the type of school I was in. Mm-hmm. Very white collar, very like, oh yeah, we're all going to become accountants and doctors and lawyers and i was like well if you ever if you all are gonna do that well i'm gonna do it as well <laughs> right that is that is what people do right um in quebec we have this thing called cegep which is between high school and university and it's an opportunity for people to get higher education degrees without going to university mm-hmm. so you have the option of doing a three-year uh kind of technical class in many fields even like programming or or you know, um, woodwork or whatever, like, but you also have the option of doing a two year, uh, pre-university degree, which is, f- you know, for, uh, 
everyone in Canada and the US is your last year of high school and your first year of university put together. Mm. Um, and you kind of just do all of the like non-essential classes, if you will, and essential, right? Yeah. Um, and there you have the option in Quebec to do like health sciences or social sciences or pure and applied sciences. Those are like the three big buckets, if you will. And there's obviously like a bunch of branches. So I started in health sciences because I was like, obviously, I'm going to become a doctor. That's what people <laughs> do, right? I did not have anywhere near the grades that I needed in high school. to. to but I was like, yeah, whatever, man. That's what people do. So I'm going to do it. Um, so I did that for a year. And um, then, sorry, the first year was common. So everyone in sciences did the same thing. And then you had the option of doing health sciences and then pure and applied sciences. And I was obviously... I'm going to do health sciences because I'm going to be a doctor. That's what people do. <laughs> um, and after a year, I'm like, I would be an awful doctor. Um, and also, luckily, like, I just don't have the grades or the desire to be a doctor. Um, what would be an awful doctor? What does that mean? Oh, man. Like, I've, I forget things. I'm, you know, I don't work that hard. Right? Like, I think you have to be a hard worker to be a doctor. You know what I mean? You can't be like, oh, whatever, man. Like, you can never say the word whatever. Right? You can't be like, oh, I'm out, you know? I'm going to take a day to think about it. I'll, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> you know, I'd just be like the doctor in the back room, like, oh, man, I have never seen this. What the hell is going on? Right? I have a lot so, of, I have, I have friends who are doctors, and I'm like, man, I could never do that. That just feels like a lot of work. You would never want to be like a Dr. House like that kind of character no absolutely not being there all so, the time <laughs> you know i had a boss now that i work in tech who told me like hey man like we were like running up on a deadline and i was like really pushing towards a deadline and he told me something i'll never forget he's like man we do marketing we're not neurosurgeons like if it's off by a couple of days it's totally fine right like no one dies right and i was like yeah. oh my god imagine if my job like people died like i could never i could absolutely never care enough like not that i wouldn't care but i would just be like i would feel so much pressure and mm -hmm. i could never do it and so luckily i did i did not become a doctor I, I went into pure and applied sciences um and um so yeah so i did sejep and then actually in university my first semester i went into uh programming i went to software engineering uh in quebec you can become a software engineer an actual engineer uh, not like in the U.S. we use that use that term very loosely, but in Canada, uh, you can go to engineering school to become a software engineer. Mm -hmm. um, and so I did a semester there. Do you want to get into it? Do you want to? Is that where of I'm getting? Of course. Into? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's a good tie back with what I do now, I guess. But um, and I didn't hate it, but there was just so much work before you actually got to like the programming part this was like 2011 or 2010 and you were like okay you need to like install this software make sure it's the right version then you gotta like install linux i remember i installed linux like 55 times and i was like nothing <laughs> freaking works none of this works and then they'd be like oh yeah this is so much fun like let's write some code and print hello world i'm like this sucks right <laughs> And you'd have like five pages of setup, right? Like, you know, 
to do this, do that, do this. And then you're like, all of that. So I can do a two by two table that has like shitty dynamic inputs. And I was like, this is such a waste of time. This is just <laughs> driving me crazy. Um, it's just, I was just like, I hate, I, I was actually, I was good at it, but I was just perennially frustrated. And um, so my friend's mom was like, hey, have you ever thought of doing a degree in math? And I was like, I have never absolutely thought of that. That has never absolutely crossed my mind. Um, <laughs> I can tell and, you with all sincerity, that has yeah. never been a thought in my yeah. mind. <laughs> I was like, it's, this is the first time it's popped up. And she's like, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're giving away like small scholarships for folks who want to go into uh, math. And I was like, oh man, I'm good at math. Right. I did some searching and like being an actuary uh, was this like super stable job. That's like weirdly super highly regarded in Quebec. Like if you tell people you're an actuary, it's like, they're like, Oof, you must be super smart. Is right? that like a, like a version of an accountant? Yeah, it's like it's like a, a, a I guess a mathematical accountant, right? So you work gotcha. in insurance company or pension companies, like you know, making sure that the company has enough money to pay out liabilities and and you know pensions or or um, in, insurance accidents and things like that. And it's a lot mm-hmm. of math, um, and there's this huge exam process that you have to go through to become an actuary. So I was never an actuary; I was always an actuarial analyst because I never did the exams or never got through the exams. Um, and so I was like, oh, great. Like no setup, pen and paper, just need to do math. I was good at math. You know, <laughs> funny side story. I always thought that I was good at math. And I told my mom like years later, like, oh yeah. Like, can I get my, 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 my school uh, report cards? And I was like, I just want to check how good at math I was. And I check and I was actually not that good at math. Like oh this, no <laughs> you know white dude who thinks he's like really good at it but like that was just complete fake hindsight if you will i was not good Your at it reality shattered <laughs> yeah i was i was luckily good at it in university it was fine yeah. um and so yeah i spent i i did like this co-op pro i really i was like at that point i was like motivated i was like this is my life i'm gonna be great at this i did a co-op program where i did three internships and three different actuarial analyst shops to touch like pension and you know uh damage insurance um did actual analysts for three years absolutely hated it hated really oh man it was bad it was so bad um and the people were great the people were nice like the job was super chill it paid well but i hated every single moment i had to be in work just everything about it i hated it uh, again, no fault of those people. Yeah. Great people. People I, I would consider friends today I worked with, but just, yeah, just, just hated that job. Um, and what were you, what yeah, were you thinking it. about while you were in that job? Like, what were the things that you didn't like? Cause obviously it wasn't the people. Yeah. Just, just, you know, um, I, I, I didn't understand. I felt like it was like a lot of calculation. And then ultimately we were like, let's put our finger to the air and figure out what makes sense, you know? So it was like (laughs) spreadsheets and meetings and conversations. And ultimately, I hope they're not listening. I just didn't give a shit, right? (laughs) I was like, and they were like, okay, let's increase premiums by 2.2% for these people. And I was like, 
I don't care, man. Like, whatever, man. Like, You're like that's just, what you want to go with? That's what we're going to go uh, with. Yeah, like, I'm I, really, I'm not I, emotionally invested in this. Yes, I admire people who are, like, just so into, like, the analysis that they want to get to the right result. And just meetings and discussions and blah, 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 and regulatory filings. I was like, whatever, man. Like, just whatever. I don't. 2%? That's fine. That's fine. Are you cool with 2%? And then, like, someone would be against it. I'm like, why, man? Who cares? It's a massive insurance company. Who cares? Let's just go home. Right? Let's go home yeah. and have dinner with our families. Yeah. And so a lot of is weird. Uh, side story here. A lot of my work was, like, with within, like, very specialty insurance, uh, you know, pricing very weird risk. And we do all the analysis. And we go see the underwriter. And the underwriter would be like, well, I kind of disagree with this. So I'd be like, yo, man, like, what do you want to charge? Like, what is cool with you? Because he was like, my commission, like, I feed my kids with my commission, yeah. right? So I'm like, I'm 23 years old. I have no idea what the hell is happening here. <laughs> I generated this Excel sheet. Honestly, if you ask me about it, I don't know that much about this Excel sheet. It got passed down to me. So I was like, 50,000 extra? Does that sound right to you? He was like, yeah, that makes I'm like, great, man. Great. Let's go with that. That seems great. Right? And my boss would be like, oh, that doesn't really make sense. I'm like, who cares? Like, we're never going to convince this person to do otherwise. Let's just go grab a beer. Let's just do other things. The honesty is 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 beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I did not do well at that job. Um you know, it was also like a very, it's very difficult to not care for me personally, about what I do. Mm. And um, I, I truly admire people who can, who can do that, right? Who like, yeah. you know, do all that work and it gets like muffled into like this big organization and it gets like digested. And you're like, I don't even know where this goes. I don't, I spent my three weeks on this and God only knows what people are going to do with this. So I admire that. I truly do. I was, it was just not for me. Um, and then, so I said like, okay, this is not for me. And being the intelligent, smart 23 year old that I was, I was like, you know, what's for me, Emily, you know what the next step is in my life? Investment banking. Of course, <laughs> of course, of course. Like I clearly don't care about any of this. Let me go to a larger institution. Let me go somewhere where you are unable to go home at night, right? So um, I did a master's in finance in, in London thinking like, yeah, I've got to figure it out. Got there. Started working. Hated it. Of course. <laughs> of course I hated what, it. What was it like being in London? It was great. London was great, but I was just broke. Absolutely broke. And so it's expensive. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's crazy expensive. And I always say I would love to experience London again with like a little bit of money in my pocket. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it was great. I just loved, I, I, it, it was truly, it changed my life because I did a master's in London. That master's was useless, just absolutely useless. <laughs> Maybe um, useful for somebody else, but not useful for no, you. No, no, it was useless. And I won't name <laughs> the school I went to. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, I'm sure it's a fine school. Um, but I was lucky enough to go to this, to stay at this place called Good Enough College, which was a 
um, a, a kind of Oxford style college uh, residence in London, mainly for international students, uh, but now also open to uh, folks from the United Kingdoms. And so I stayed there and made some some great friends uh, while I was there. Honestly, I didn't really go to school. Like I was just like, let's hang out at good enough college, make friends. Um, and so, uh, made a ton of of friends and, and, you know, one of them is, is the reason I, I work in tech today, uh, introduced me to someone who introduced me to my first job in tech. And I was like, oh, great. We're like 20 people. We're like 30 people. And what I do will actually have an influence on, on the organization. Um, great. Like, yeah, forget that finance stuff. I'm out. (laughs) Um, and so, so yeah, kind of joined the, the tech world from there. Um, you know, very grateful that that happened. Um, and just kind of have been in it since. Did you ever feel stuck while you were in your grad school and, and you had all of these years in finance and maybe you felt stuck there? Yeah, I was terrified. I was just so terrified of being like, well, I had this stable job maybe that I didn't like. And, you know, obviously my whole, you know, uh, my whole upbringing was like, you had this great job. Yeah. Right. You, you had made it. Yeah. Um, And then I was like, well, what if I don't make it? What if I don't find something that is both like, quote unquote, lucrative enough and that I can like, physically endure without like blowing my brains out every day so yeah it was a very I I think a lot of people live through this and where they're like hey I have this like plus this this great job yeah you know I come in I like honestly if it wasn't for my like stupid brain being an actuary was great you come in at nine, you go to meetings, you make some decisions. No one really notices those decisions. You go home at five, you get paid very well. Like, I'm sure as I'm saying this, people are like, man, why are you complaining? That sounds dope. And it was dope <laughs> for a lot of people. And I admire people who can do that, who are just like, hey, I go to work. I do my thing. I have interests, right? I just physically could not sit in my seat all day mm. long. I was like, what the hell is this spreadsheet? why am i here right yeah it's very like i guess millennial angst that (laughs) i'm sure hopefully some people resonate with but i also get like people are like that sounds great and it was so i i was mostly stuck in like will i do i just hate working right Mm. do i just hate no matter what it is do i just hate waking up and going to work that was a big fear of mine um because then you can't fix that if that's the issue yeah i don't i don't I think looking back on it today, I don't think anyone like hates the thought of doing things. Yeah. Right. I don't think everyone's going to find a job that they necessarily love, but I don't think anyone's like, yeah, I'd rather just sit in bed all day long. Um, well, sometimes. <laughs> that gets old. Then you're yeah. going to hate that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then you're like, I want to do stuff, you know? So, um, um, so that was my biggest fear. It was never about, I always had confidence that I'll figure out the financial side, but I was always worried that I'll f- never figure out the, the joy side, the, the uh, like waking up and not hating what I do. Mm-hmm. 
waking up with dread is a weird feeling yes yes like uh, and it feels like you you know i was listening to your last podcast and and it feels like something you might have like deep empathy for (laughs) i i remember even like for crew like for um rowing i remember waking up for two years every morning with total dread (laughs) because i was scared (laughs) <laughs> right, but that's isn't that a different type of dread where you're like you're were you looking forward to the activity but just scared or did you just like I don't want to do this? Oh, I was scared every day. Uh, but I think it was so important for me to do something that I was scared of. So this might be like a totally different emotion than what we're talking right. about. But um, but yeah, like it really weighs on you. Where every morning you wake up with um, uh, being scared of something or uh that yeah yeah this is a totally different emotion but like when it comes to work and everything like that um yeah like i i i was in a job and i i didn't want to admit that um maybe it wasn't right because i didn't know it checked all of these boxes that right. i had and it was like a really great company and mm-hmm. um i was just uh i just felt so um i don't know like something just didn't feel right and i felt like people would think I was so ungrateful right. or like, because it's so many people that are like, Oh, I would do anything to have all of these boxes checks. And you're just, I don't know, a spoiled little brat and yeah. you can't deal with this. I yeah. Was that's how that's exactly. 100. Yeah. I think, I think on that front, like that's why it's kind of weird to be like, Oh, I hated it. And it was great. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think first and foremost, like, my parents were like, you are an idiot, mm-hmm. right? Like they would kill to have that type of job, right? Yeah. They would absolutely kill. Um, and, um, but no, my, my mom was actually quite supportive of it. She was very much like, yeah, whatever. Like, you know, just, you could always go work at the, you know, at the grocery store if that doesn't work out and you'll be fine. Yeah. You know? And I was like, okay, but I do like <laughs> the money part as well. She's like, well, you can have both. So figure it out, you know? <laughs> I, she, She's like, I'm not going to help you. I got no money. So figure it out. You know? I love um, your mom. <laughs> yeah, mom's great. Um, so um, supportive, but also be like, you have no safety net. So just FYI. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. Um, and and then, yeah, I, I predictably hated it, but then got into tech and, and, you know, one thing led to another. And, you know, I can safely say that today I, I quite enjoy my work and, and that's, you know, something I'm extremely grateful for. Uh, so what was that first connection that your friend made for you, that first introduction for your first job? Yeah, it was a company called Mozio, which, you know, today sounds pretty crazy. It was like um, this airport transportation aggregator. So you can put in any airport, any destination, they'll give you all the options to and from the airport. Mm. Um, today, we would call that Uber. Um mm right <laughs> like <laughs> i wouldn't say uber decimated our business but it was definitely like a much better version of our business it did not uh, help <laughs> no it did not help but it was a, a great introduction into like how tech works um and i had extremely supportive colleagues and bosses and i got to travel the world working in travel wow. um got a lot of you know honestly i we were a mess internally, but it was like so fun to be like, we could fix this, right? Like we could improve on this. Um, so yeah, spent like two and a half years there, made some great connections of folks who I 
you know, still hang out with and, and get, get advice from all the time from Mozio. Um, then spent a couple of years at a company called Local Logic, uh, you know, helping people decide where to live and got my first like customer facing experience there, which was great. Learned about a bunch of other tech things. Uh, learned about Airtable while I was there. Um, and yeah, that's where Automate All the Things happened. Again, with amazingly supportive uh, bosses and colleagues. Um, and yeah, I guess the, the rest is kind of history. You know, Jen joined Airtable and now at Webflow and, and kind of looking back on it, I'm like, that's pretty cool, man. That's pretty like, I couldn't have imagined a better outcome. So I'm pretty stoked about it. That sounded like super douchey. Like, yeah, great, no, man. No. Super, super stoked about the outcome. <laughs> well, it's you Go should me. be. You should be. <laughs> I think that's totally fine. <laughs> um, when uh, I, there are a whole bunch of different points along there that I want to go back to, but um, uh, one funny thing is uh, recently I showed one of my friends uh my one of my favorite movies which is princess bride um and uh it was so cool to um experience that with someone that who who had never seen that movie before right and all of these jokes and memes that i say on a regular basis this person like had never experienced that before so it was so cool to to know when things were going to happen and wait for their reaction right um so i was wondering uh like obviously with Airtable, um right. it was a lot of showing people all of these cool things that it does and um all of these neat things i remember uh, i've had so many of those experiences where people were teaching me about it and i got all excited and then they looked at me and thought right. oh this is kind of cute right. <laughs> this is adorable um uh, what was your first experience with it? Yeah. It might've been an earlier version. So, so I remember, you know, specifically around Airtable, but more generally like the, the backstory. So I think if, if the question is like, when did I first experience someone being like, oh my God, this is like, I understand why you're so excited about this. And now we have a shared language. I wouldn't say it actually starts with, with Airtable because I didn't like get Airtable when I first started using it. It took a while for me to like, you know, slowly be like, okay, I understand what the value of this is. But um, my best friend at the time, uh, well, uh, today, damn it. I, I should not say that because he listens to every podcast and to make sure I say the words best friend. So Hugo, <laughs> if you're watching, you're still my best friend. Um, and then he was also my roommate, best friend slash and roommate. That's, that's shout out he, Hugo. Shout out Hugo. Um, <laughs> was like, hey, um, you know, he was a lawyer or was a lawyer, and and was like, hey, can you help me calculate the number of days between two dates? And I was like, yeah, of course, like Excel, <laughs> duh. And I showed him. He was like, oh my god, dude, that's that's crazy, like, like, and I was like, what do you mean that's crazy? Like, of course you knew this, right? He's like, no, like this just blew my mind. Um, and then that evening we, we had like other lawyer friends over and I was like, Hey, do you like calculate days between two dates in your job? And she was like, Oh yeah, man. Like all the time, bane of my existence. And I'm like at a party, like with my laptop, like, yo, check this out. One, eight, two, one minute. And she was like, Oh my God, you just blew my mind. And I'm like, 
And she's like, can I go back to the party? I'm like, no. Um, <laughs> um, Stay then, with me. <laughs> and then I, I was like, I was, I had this idea. I was like, hey, like, if I organize dinners where you would like write in with your problems and I would show you solutions, would you be interested in that? And she was like, that's great. She was like a go-getter. And she was like, yeah, I will, I will bring literally everyone I know. She was like, we are tech illiterate, please. Like she was like invoicing, just everything is a mess. Could you like show us this stuff? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so once a month, I would organize these dinner called the Automate All the Things Dinner, where, um, you know, guests would write in with like issues that they have. Yeah. Right. Like not IT issues, but like, how do we invoice or how do we track our blog or whatever? That's probably not someone. They didn't have blogs. Um, (laughs) And then I would like show them tools from the web, like Zapier and Airtable and Excel formulas. And every time they were like, oh my God, there was so much information in this. And I was like, oh my God, you didn't know any of this? This is crazy. (laughs) Right? It's almost like, it's like the reverse of your childhood where you were constantly like, what, yeah, what is going exactly. on and now other people are I'm like I know that. what's going on <laughs> let me let me show you guys um and um that was like the first time where I was like oh my god if I could do this for a living I would absolutely love doing this for a living but you like, didn't people, see it as a possibility at the time I uh, not really right I was like there can't be I was always like there can't be that many people there just can't there just can't in this world that we live in like there just can't be that many people who are only after I realized I'm like, no, this is most people. These <laughs> are the normal people. Right. But I'm like, so in a tech bubble that, you know, uh, and it's only gotten worse, I think since <laughs> 2012. Um, And so I just, I didn't know how to go about making it my living, I guess. I just never was like, yeah, let me organize a dinner every day. Like I was doing it for a loss, right? I was like, I'm going to pay for your dinner because I can't believe that you would actually come to this thing. And they were like, we love this thing. This is great. We are going to invite all our friends. Wild. So so before anything online, it was a dinner with friends? Yes. Yes. Was it like out at a restaurant? No, it was literally in my house because I needed like a computer and I needed to like, this was, this was not like, Oh, you know, tech. I was like, I let's create an invoice. Like straight up, I would build it with everyone there. Wild. And it and was they, so natural for you. Like the the wanting to do that was very natural. Interested in it was very yeah. natural. Interesting. I I like looking back on it, I wouldn't say that like I had this like innate gift for doing that. It was more that I just couldn't believe that my friends were doing the stupid things all day. I'm like, you don't have to do, even today, I will see someone with a broken process and I'll be like, why do you live this way? <laughs> you know, you don't have to live you this way. You don't have to do this. There are, there are solutions. <laughs> I will help you. Or th- the web, Google, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know. There was just some, I was just like, I think so highly of these people. These are my friends. These are my dearest, dearest friends. And the idea that like 
they're copy pasting information all day long to like send emails. I'm like, why would you do this? <laughs> Life is short, man. Like, Life is don't... short. Automate all the things. <laughs> right. That's actually a good one. Maybe I should like it. <laughs> It wasn't, it wasn't even about like, look at, it started, I think very much as like, let me show you this. Like, it was like a show off. Let me show you this cool thing that I did. I was like super geeky and super advanced. And they were like, yo, how does email work? How do I mail merge? Right. Just like the simplest things. I remember showing Trello to someone and they were like, dude, like, holy shit. Like you just changed my life. Right. And I'd be like, Trello, man. Like, Trello's like 2002, mm. right? And so a lot of the initial ones were like, okay, I need to really dumb it down, right? I don't need to, this is not a show-off period. This is literally like, how do you, what it, how do you create groups in Trello, mm-hmm. right? Like, time tracking or just these very basic things. And people were like, dude, that is wild, right? I'm like, okay. <laughs> like tagging emails people are like oh my god you could tag emails that's crazy i'm like you can tag emails and you could fire automations off of tagged emails you're like oh my god <laughs> you know that is wild um seems like their reactions were so emotional i mean i might be i i for them i i was like super excited to show them and i i was very um happy that they instantly saw the value. It wasn't like, let me show you this like dark magic. You won't understand. They're like, I will use this tomorrow. And I was like, yeah, yeah. awesome. Great. <laughs> and often it would be like, what else could I do? And I'm like, dude, there's so much. There's so you, we haven't even started here. So, um, so that was like my first time where I was like, oh, like if I could just do this, if I could somehow get paid whatever inkling of money that pays my rent, I would just do this because this is great. Right. Um, and yeah, it just kind of happened. And this is, this is my life now, which is great. It, uh, it's such a stark difference between you really trying to care about something that's not natural for you to care about um, with your, your previous jobs and then to have something that is just such a natural thing. I guess it's not like you you have to work hard at learning all of these skills. Like they don't just come naturally. But uh, naturally, I don't know, being excited about it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was like the first time where I did something where there was like a mix of like, oh, I am good at this. People seem to like this and like deep down in my gut, I am like extremely motivated to help these people because they're my dear friends and I cannot believe that they live this way. Right. So I think some people have that to things that I don't, that don't resonate with me. Right. Like I am sure that the actuaries I used to work with, are like the pricing is wrong. We need to fix it. And they would wake up and just be like, that is their goal. They want mm. the pricing to reflect the real risk. And I admire them for being like, that's important to me. 
I do not care. Could not care less. Honestly, yeah. it could be triple half. I could not care less. <laughs> right. And I'm sure that like some people will look at having to calculate dates on a calendar and counting them manually as like, whatever, that's just like, that's just a normal way of doing things. And I'm like, no, you do not need to do that. Right. And I think fundamentally it's because I'm a very lazy person, mm. right? Like <laughs> the idea of doing things over and over again that I don't, that I know are important, but don't really care is extremely hard for me. And so I assume that other people feel similarly and they do not. Right. I think everyone like appreciates a good workflow, but eh, if it's broken, whatever, like that's life. And I'm like, no, that is not life. It doesn't need to be this way. We can make it better. Right. And if you then say like, okay, but there are so many of these broken, like what is the, the, the lowest common denominator that I can help people with? Yeah, that's just like, it, it just, it just gets me in the morning. I'm like, I wake up and I'm like, there are people out there doing useless things. <laughs> I may not reach all of them, but I can reach one. And that is cool. Let's do that. Right. And also like, yeah, people seem to, to, to like it. People use it. And I'm always like, someone comes to me and is like, I use Stripe for the first time because I saw a video and I was like, wow. That is crazy. That is wild. Great. Let's, what else can we do? Like what, what more is annoying in your life? It seems to me like, um, even if, uh, somebody cut you a check tomorrow for like 2 million and you were financially independent and you didn't have to do anything anymore. I feel like you would still do this. Well, if, if someone cut me a check for $2 million, I would do crazier things. <laughs> what would you do i'm just curious i would honestly if i had like two million dollars i would stream way more (laughs) but also i i I, i've always i've always felt that you know we start too late with people right like even myself like i remember as a kid being like super unorganized super lost super stressed out about the fact that like I got this piece of paper. Where is this piece of paper? Was it an important piece of paper? Is it in this binder? Is it in that binder? Like what is going on? And I never like used the computer in a useful way for myself until very late. Right. And I'm talking about here, like today, like I track my finances. I, 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 we have a calendar with my partner and like, we just organize things in a way that like settles my life. Cause I know that things are somewhere. And I feel like if someone had showed me in school all those things, like, you know, and not even like a Webflow thing, like a Wix or you can just, let's build a website. Let's just like, that is what we're going to do in this class. And you're like, wow. Or, hey, let's like connect these systems. Let's build this cool thing. Um, You know, if people gave me a bunch of money and I didn't need to work, I'd be like, hey, let's like go pitch the government to do these types of classes uh, or even in university to be like, if you are going to go work at a job, you do not need to use spreadsheets. I will give a whole university class around <laughs> no more spreadsheets. Right? Just like literally every day we're going to come in, we're going to 
put up a shitty spreadsheet and we'll be like, how do we make this better? Is mm-hmm. there, are there tools out there that will fix this spreadsheet? And there, I'm sure there's some spreadsheet lovers in, in, in the audience. And I'm, there are spreadsheets that are very useful that serve their <laughs> purpose very well. I would say that they're the minority of spreadsheets, <laughs> right? Um, the vast majority of spreadsheets suck, um, are not purpose-built, are annoying. Um, yeah, I would just be like, let's do that. Let's go to 20-year-olds and be like, hey, don't use spreadsheets. That's That's my pitch. Um, so yeah, I would, I would do more of it in a, in a bigger scale way where I can take bigger risks and say like, yeah, let's, let's do some crazy stuff. I, I always think that it's really, um, interesting when, uh, you're really passionate about something and then you kind of, when you start doing it, you do it, um, you don't do it publicly. You just do it because you really want to, Mm. um, when I, I I thought it was really cool that you had those dinners with your friends because um when I started this podcast I uh, it was just phone calls with people right uh, and it was it was me reaching out to people on like LinkedIn or, or social media and saying hey um can I listen to you talk about okay your life I, I think that I would I would find people with jobs that I thought were really interesting or their background was really cool. And um, I would just talk with people on the phone for like hours and I had just met them. And I, I, I don't know. I remember one, one phone call was like three hours. And this one mm. was like, you still want to talk to me? I'm like, yeah, you're fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, like the reason why I even started putting these out in public was just um, so people would uh, more people would want to talk to me. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> I have a friend who is who is says it's like why do like how do you meet people and I'm like I DM them on LinkedIn and, he's like, <laughs> yeah. and they say yes I'm like okay if I DM you and I say like I think you're amazing would you talk to me people are like yeah I would talk to you about myself <laughs> for two hours of course I would I'm vain like everybody else is right um, and he was like shocked um that people would say yes and i'm like you would be shocked at how often people will say yes uh to that type of stuff so um yeah it is not surprising that people would ha- and i'm sure that you increase the number of people who say yes by saying okay we're gonna make the pub- the conversation public yeah yeah for, for sure like uh i don't know it's just it's so fun to do that with people yeah. um and also uh, for people to listen back to themselves later as like a little time capsule thing. Right. I think that it's, it's such a special thing to give someone. Um, yeah. Do you listen because... back to yourself? Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every, every uh, episode I've listened back to at least once. And um, uh, uh, it's, it's so hard. To... I'm going to be listening back to this uh, later when I'm editing it. And <laughs> um, it's a, it's a, it's a tough thing to do, but um you kind of uh, get used to it after a while. I know you're, yeah. you, you're the same with, with edit, editing things. Yeah, no, for sure. I actually think one of the reasons I prefer live is because I don't have to be so um, difficult on myself, right? So like when I record, so like I'm, I'm re-recording the Ultimate Guide to Airtable and I'm much more, yeah, like I, I, I listen back and I'm like, oh, that didn't sound great. Is it good enough? do I need to do it again? And you get into like this 
this like cycle almost where I'm like live. I'm like, well, we can't really do much about that. That's staying in, you know, that's just life, you know? <laughs> um, and so it, it, for me, it was a way of like getting over a little bit of that mental hurdle of, of, of hearing myself. And, and today I, I am quite used to it and I'm, I, you get better over time as well for any yeah. folks like hating the sound of their own <laughs> voice. You do get used to it and you get better over time. Yeah. Uh, what was it like um, working at Airtable? Like, what was it like starting there? And mm. I mean, I'm going to ask a whole bunch of questions. You decide sure. what you want to answer. <laughs> like, um, uh, how did that connection happen? And what, what was that like for you? Yeah, oh, man. And and I, I always preface this by saying, like, I was extremely lucky, right, in so many ways to join Airtable. So I knew, so that first job, Mozio, um, there was my old boss and dear friend named Emery who knew a guy named Kevin who kind of became my mentor over time. And he knew someone who worked at Airtable who referred me for a job. And I had, uh, you know, uh, Jess Carlsberg, the recruiter. She was like, can you work in America? And I was like, of course I can work in America. It's not a problem. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and so we go through this interview process. And at the end, they're like, oh yeah, we're going to offer you a job. So what about that visa? I'm like, yeah, by the way, I need a visa. Just, just we gotta figure that out. Um, the way and, that you said that was so funny. <laughs> I need a visa. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, I thought you had it. I'm like, yeah, but you know, we're like really far in the job process. So like, is there something we can? And then I did some digging, and there was a visa I was I was eligible for. Um, and yeah, it was just it was like it was crazy to me that a company like Airtable would would entertain the idea of hiring me as this like nobody from Montreal who had this like janky course on the air table and who had a very poor, like not watched YouTube channel. I don't even know if I, yeah, I did have a YouTube channel. I started streaming before I joined Airtable yet. And um, I actually joined as a CSM, uh, not on the education team. Um, and I kept telling people like, Hey, I have this course on Airtable. I'm making money on that course. I work here. This is weird. Mm. Everyone was like, yeah, whatever, man, you do you. We've got a lot of problems here at Airtable. Like that was like priority number 55 for most people, which I totally get. I totally yeah. understand it today. But by sharing that with a lot of people, um, uh, there was a moment where the education team was being formed and they were like, does anyone have any experience teaching Airtable and someone high up. I don't know who uh, was like, yeah, we, this dude keeps telling us he has this course on Airtable. Maybe he wants to be on the education team. So like three weeks into being a CSM, I switched to the education team. Is that a customer service manager? Customer success manager. So I was like working with customers. Um, And uh, so shout out to Katya, uh, (laughs) who, who was the manager then. And um, so, yeah, I joined the the education team at Airtable and I was like, wow, like this is my job now. Right. Um, and it was great. It was it was it was very difficult because it was my first time in like this super high growth. You know, we got to we got to literally build the plane while it's flying just changing priorities, changing everything. But I was like, man. I get to teach people Airtable. That is cool. That is amazing. Like, just super grateful 
that I get the opportunity to do that. And um, yeah, and also I kept streaming, which was great. I kept doing webinars. So really honed like my, my ability to teach. And um, so honestly, I look back on my time with Airtable as like, just amazing. It was just such amazing times, just met amazing, amazing colleagues. And obviously you're not going to go on a podcast and be like, they sucked. But no, yeah. um, no, truly like for me, it was like a huge learning experience. The team grew from like 200 to over a thousand when I left. So it was just this crazy growth pandemic, moved back to Montreal, just craziness. Uh, but all throughout it, I was like, man, this is great. I get to teach people the thing that I love every day. People are like, this helped me. Um, I didn't know how to edit anything. I didn't know how to stream. I didn't know how to do any of that. And so I got the opportunity to learn uh, while working at Airtable. And yeah, it was it was crazy. They gave me the YouTube channel. I literally had the access. I was like, could you believe that they just gave me access to it? I could do whatever I want. It was crazy. No one cares. I could just, whatever, man. It was crazy. Was were like, there this... moments where you uh, you were sitting there and you were like, how did I get here? Like, where am all I? All the time. Literally <laughs> all the time. And, you know, people would, would even today ask me of like, how did that? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't. And like, it's easy. And I said this to Joe, like, it's easy to sit here and be like, I got here out of hard work, determination, and just being a smart person. I'm like, no, I was just like, I was at the right place at the right time. And obviously like it helped that I had recorded this course, but honestly, had anyone listened to that course, they'd be like, man, this is sketch, right? You could hear the clicking, like, like today, if someone, if I list, I, when I listen to the essential guide to air table, I'm like, this is janky. This is clearly done by someone who doesn't know what they're doing to an extent, but it just happened that no one else was kind of there at that moment and had the opportunity to be like, well, do you want to do this? Um, and so, so yeah, like even today I wake up and I'm like, that's cool, man. That's really cool that I get to do this and that people get value out of it and that it's, it's, it's useful to them. Right. Like I, you know, I, I don't want my content to be about me. I hope that people don't like, I hope that it's fun and it's engaging, but I hope that at the end of the day, people are like, we come for the learning, the content, the fact that it'll be useful. Right. And that's what I always focus on. Like, let's make it fun. Let's make it engaging. Let's, let's make it, I want you to come back, but not if the content sucks. I don't want you to come because I'm going to, you know, do some stupid, I'm not going to make you laugh. Right. <laughs> That's not the goal of what I do. It's really just to be useful. Um, and so, yeah, super grateful that people do enjoy it and it's great. I think a, a, a joy and humor is so important in education. And I didn't really think about that much until I started seeing some like no code content. And okay. I'm like, wait, this can be funny. <laughs> we, yeah. we can we can like have a good time. Like it's not just Khan Academy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And and I think what what I what I strive, like I think a good example is like Webflow University, right? And and um I I now have the the honor of working with folks like McGuire every day. And even McGuire said, like, 
our goal is not to be funny. That is not the goal, right? So even, so I, I, um, a lot of my stream is based off of, uh, uh, learn with Jason, um, J- Jason Linksdorf, um, very similar format, invite someone in to talk and, and teach him something and also the audience. And I spoke to him once and he was that you know, there are two types of, of streamers or content. There's streamers about the streamer. People are there because of the, the person, the funniness or, or the way that they are. And there are people who come for the content. Obviously there's a mix. Sometimes people come for the person and the content, right? And even in Webflow University and what I strive to do at Airtable is I want humor to be what keeps you there, what gives you a chuckle, what helps you understand the underlying principles, but it is not about being funny. It is not about being entertaining. Obviously, I want it to be entertaining, yeah. but I want to make it about the what it is that we're teaching. And so that's what I always strive to do because I I cannot sustain interest, right? Um, I'm I'm obviously going to be super enthusiastic about what we're teaching. I'm going to be the first person to 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 be excited about it, but I cannot sustain. I'm not that funny, is what I'm saying. I'm not that interesting. So hopefully what I'm showing is interesting and useful to people. I beg to differ about, uh, <laughs> you, you were like putting yourself down a little bit. You're like, no, oh, it's not, it's that. not, it's not about, uh, I don't want to mean this in a way that is like, yeah. Oh, pl- like fishing. It's more that yeah. I have to do this a lot. Yeah. And I, what I hope is that people come because you're like, I'm going to learn something and have fun. We're yeah. all, I'm going to work really, really hard <laughs> on the fun part. Obviously, yeah. I, 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 I always tell my mom, like, my job is to give a, a lesson that people don't have to show up for. Mm. You literally don't have to care. You yeah. could just not go. That's in your prerogative. <laughs> and I am always shocked that people do come and yeah. watch, right? And so, obviously... I have to work really hard at making it fun, making it funny. And that's why you see a lot of the work that goes into Webflow University. But funny will never be a prior, be the first priority. Mm-hmm. I will never ask, hey, how are we going to make this stream funny? Before I ask, how do we make it useful? How do we make it understandable, uh, approachable? Or like, what jokes are we going to put into this? That's secondary yeah. for me. But yeah. obviously, yeah, we're going to make it fun. Yeah, it's an icing on the cake. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So how how long were you at Airtable? Um almost three years. Yeah. Um so two, 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 three quarters, yeah. Somewhere around there. I uh, sometimes this is a funny thing to do. Um, but if you when you started at Airtable versus you in your last week at Airtable, if the two of you were to have a conversation, how do you think that would go? Interesting question. Um, do you, do you want me to? What would I tell myself at the start of my job? Yeah, like imagine imagine if it's um two versions of you at two different points in your life, and you're just sitting together having a coffee and talking about how the last yeah. three years went. How do you think that conversation would go? I'd be like, yo, don't move to New York. There's gonna be a <laughs> pandemic, and and you're gonna have to move back. You're gonna lose a ton of money. It's gonna be awful. 
Um, <laughs> you're not going to have access to your stuff for six months. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah. No, the, again, you know, pandemic threw a wrench into everyone's plans. Um, the other thing I would say, I was like, yo, you know how much you hate webinars? Yes. That is okay. Good. Keep hating <laughs> webinars. That is a good, you know, webinars suck. Um, or the way we do webinars suck. Um, honestly, I would just be like, have fun. I learn. I, I, what I think I underestimated is that the amount of flexibility people will give you if you um, show that you're willing to put in the effort, right? A good example of that is like a year and a half in an Airtable, I looked at Webflow and I was like, our 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 stuff sucks. Let's just be real. Like, I'm not a good editor. I've never done this before. And I look at Webflow and I'm like, our stuff sucks. And I went to a boss and I was like, how do we make stuff that doesn't suck? And I was like, yeah, let's like build a studio. And she was like, yeah, let's do it. And, you know, I spent, hired a person and it wasn't expensive. It wasn't difficult. It's just that I was like, I am deeply interested in doing this. You trust me to do it. Let's go and do it. And if I had that attitude a little earlier of like, okay, yeah, Airtable is this amazing company. People here are super smart. But they hired you. So, you know, just do your thing, right? It took me a while to feel comfortable of like, okay, like I also have ideas. I also can contribute here versus like just suck in all the amazing things that people say or do at Airtable. And I think that's the main thing as you, as you get hired somewhere where it's like your dream job or whatever, or, you know, those people obviously built that company to where it is today, but they say, they're saying, we think you have value here. That's what they're saying by hiring you. And so you shouldn't be like, starstruck or um hesitate to give a little bit of yourself of your putting your ideas on the table because they have explicitly said not only do we want you to be here we will pay you to be here which is wild <laughs> right um and and so i i would say that's that's the big thing that i would say to myself is like yeah if if you hate webinars, let people know that you hate webinars and let them know why. No, that's a joke. Um, yeah, also, <laughs> webinars suck. Um, strong feelings here. Strong feelings. I, I, yeah. So people who do webinars, they're fine. I love you for it. I hated my webinars. I hated doing the same webinar over and over. We did a lot of webinars. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's more of like you, you, you are there for a reason. And um, if if that company didn't want you to be there, they wouldn't have hired you. So it's their fault. <laughs> um, I, I I think one thing I've noticed about um, people that are extremely, um, I don't know, do their job very well um, or, or have a lot of success. I've noticed that a lot of those people have the humility to bring on people who are better than them to a point where that that person who started the company or started whatever the 
group is um they end up being the least skilled person because they bring on all these people that are way more skilled than them and they don't feel threatened by this person at all they're like oh this person's gonna make this better yeah absolutely um i don't feel that way at webflow right now i feel like everyone is (laughs) just way better than so (laughs) shout out to emily thank you (laughs) um um but eventually i hope that there is one part of of what I do where I can be the, the, the expert and, and right now I'm still soaking things up. <laughs> That's natural. <laughs> yeah. From what I've been told about life. Yeah. Um, so do you feel like you're, you're, um, you're different after these last three years? Do you feel like your life is different or, or there's things that you've learned and grown as a person? Yeah. I think the main difference is I don't, I don't have that fear of not knowing what I'm going to do or that I'm not going to find that, that um, like I I no longer fear the fear of like, Oh, I'm going to not have something I enjoy doing that is gone. Mm -hmm. Um, How does that feel? That was something that you were really worried about for a while. it, It felt great. It feels great. I have to say like, for me, it was like a big, big worry throughout my my all of my twenties of like, will I ever find something I can realistically do for a while? Um, so that feels great. That is also a, a feeling that I hope everyone could have. Whether it's also just being like, I don't love this, but I can. I think it's great, and I have other passions in life. I, yeah, go for it. I'm not going to be that person who's like, everyone's going to find what they love. I think that's bullshit. Like. I'm just happy that I'm like, I can do this. It's fun. It's, you know, it brings me joy. And that's really all I can say. And that's all I can hope for. Um, and yeah, it's just now I think it's more about just still learning the craft, right? Um, luckily, I work on a team that has just, amazing talent just just the utmost best folks who do this right like i've kind of joined the i have a i I was thinking of like a sports reference but then i don't know what is like the best team like the the usa nba team i think that's like a good right yeah of educational content (laughs) um and so for me, it's all about like, okay, how do these people do it? What can I learn slash steal, right? <laughs> and what is that thing that I can also bring to the table, right? So, um, yeah, I, I would just say like just just over the last three years, like it came with its ups and downs. Obviously, pandemic, being a content creator is, is not what it's made out to be. Um, but yeah, I'm like, I could do this for a while and it feels really good. And so the, the most recent change in your life was going from Airtable to Webflow and very exciting, like awesome. Very happy for you. Yeah. Thank you. How, how did that happen? Like how, how was that experience for you? Yeah, absolutely terrifying. Um, <laughs> My yeah. rowing feelings. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, 
it I had never thought of joining Airtable. And I had always assumed that the day that I, if I would join, I would never leave. Right. Like, why would I ever, like, why would I ever leave? Right. Yeah. Um, But then, you know, companies change. Like a company at 200 people is different from a company at 1200 people. Uh, priorities change. And, um, you know, uh, Emily reached out and was like, do you want to join the NBA, the USA NBA <laughs> basketball team? The Olympic and, no code team. <laughs> right. And I was like, man, my team is pretty good. I have to say like, we, we are, but she's like, we got LeBron you know? <laughs> and I'll let the education team decide who LeBron maps to. Um, I guess that's my like basketball knowledge. I'm not sure if LeBron is still playing basketball to be completely <laughs> honest with you. Or if I he like makes... The- I like the reference. It's a good right. analogy. Yeah. Like we got Michael Jordan, I guess. I'm just like taken from all different <laughs> eras of basketball. Um, and for me, the question was like, okay, well, if I'm going to do this for the foreseeable future, um, it feels like I need to learn from folks who have done it, who I admire, who clearly can teach me a lot, which was the case at Airtable. Um, but it felt that people had that expectation of me where I had to show people how it works. Mm. And I didn't feel ready for, like, I didn't know how things worked enough. Mm. And we got to a point where people were like, oh, how do we do this? I'm like, I don't know. I have, I, I made this shit up. I (laughs) have been faking it for this long Right. And it it felt like I needed to go somewhere where like, here's how we record. Here's how we make good audio. Here's how you think about editing workflows. Here's how we think about script development. Here's how we think about live streaming and repurposing. A lot of the times, the things I thought about, you know, Webflow was like years ahead. Um, and just small anecdote here and, and shout out to Stacey. Um, when I was talking to folks at Webflow, I was like, how do you record your browser? And Stacey was like, oh my God, we could, how, how much time do you have? And I'm like, I have a lot of time, right? <laughs> she was like, oh, like here, how we think about it. And I was like, oh my God, like we have both thought deeply about this. And there are maybe what, like 50 people on the planet who think about like browser recording as something <laughs> they think about on Saturday mornings, right? <laughs> And like the subtleties of like, just, yeah, it's actually like a pretty in-depth field, right? In in field in the narrow sense of our jobs. And I was like, oh, it'd be amazing to have both like, oh, I, I now understand how you do it. And you are like years ahead of me and have someone to bounce those types of ideas off of, of like, okay, here's how we think about that. Um, So it just felt supernatural. Uh, it felt like the right move. Obviously, like, I still love Airtable. I still hate spreadsheets. I still... <laughs> and webinars. And webinars. <laughs> and so I, you know, part of my job at Webflow is also to like help people's workflows. That is like a literally one of the job in my job description. And so it's been good to be like, yeah, I educate folks, but I'm also here to kill spreadsheets, to be honest. Um, and do, do magic. 
yeah exactly <laughs> like let's banish the spreadsheet um i i i also have love for spreadsheets i hope people don't take away the wrong the wrong thing from those conversations just there's a there's some spreadsheets that i love they're just very few and far between um so so yeah no it's been it's been really great i'm super super excited about the things we're working on i've learned a lot uh, and yeah, just super grateful to the team to um, teach me stuff, and hopefully, I can I can teach them some stuff too, or or you know, give a different point of view. Um, and yeah, it's been great. How do you uh, feel right now in the present? Like we talked about a lot of your early life and the last couple, of, like five years or ten years, and and now, how do you feel where you're sitting right now? Um. I feel, I feel great. feel a lot of pressure, right? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, there's this, there's this expectation. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I think it's good. Yeah. I, so here's, I'll sum this up this way. When I used to create content and I would make a mistake, I'd be like, eh, who's going to watch this? You know, who cares? <laughs> no one's going to watch this. Who gives a shit? <laughs> and I was Right. No one actually watched the thing. Um, now I know that people will watch. And that has two consequences. One is that it makes me want to work so much harder on making it good, right? Making it understandable, approachable, unique, interesting. Um, the second part of that is that it makes me much more difficult towards my own work. Um, especially when I'm recording things on demand, I'm like, okay, was that good enough? Like Jeff is going to watch this, you know, and, and Amanda from Nebraska is also going to watch this. (laughs) How, how difficult are they going to, not difficult, but what are their standards? Honestly, they're way lower than I always think. Mm. And so, but I do want to make sure that I meet people's expectations and that like I work hard for like the fact that people are there and listening and, and taking times out of their day, I don't want to disappoint. So um, that is how I feel today. So super grateful, love, love, love being someone in people's lives that could help them be more efficient, create smoother workflows, do things they didn't think were possible, uh, but also want to always meet that um meet the fact that they are doing that with me in a way that just so I match their expectations or that I at least match my own. Um, and so, so, so yeah, so that's, that's like the two sides of how I feel right now. Incredibly uh, grateful and thankful, but also a lot of responsibility. Yeah. A little bit. I would hate, yeah. I would hate for someone to be like, this was not, what I wanted it to be, which is always going to happen. But let's say I like, I do a few more takes now and I think more deeply around the analogies that I use, or I spend a little more time preparing things and making things sound good and look good. And, you know, before I was like, whatever, man, just browser (laughs) record, put yourself in the corner go for it, man. 
now I'm like, this this is off by two pixels. People hate this. <laughs> you know? So I'm always trying to notice. find out. Yeah, they're going to notice. But I, yeah, Webflow people will absolutely notice for sure. <laughs> um, Airtable people don't care. Uh, different vibe. <laughs> different vibes. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so, yeah, so that's that's how I feel now. But yeah, just always want to make sure that what I do is useful to people. And that's pretty much it. I have a, one question for you before we sure. um, we wrap up. Um, so uh, it seems like an important part in your life, or at least something that I noticed, was um, kind of when you were in London and you were in this uh, uh, program, you were like understandably nervous. Like, I, I don't know how my life is going to go. I don't know wh- what's going to happen maybe I'm not in the place that I want to be and I'm not really quite sure where to go from here. Mm-hmm. If if you were able to talk to yourself at that age with what you know now, is there anything that you would have said? Nah, I would have been like, what? like I know it, this ends well. I think the fear, because <laughs> I think if you would have told me, if I would have had the conversation with myself and I'd be like, hey, this is going to end up fine, relax. I actually don't think I would have done a lot of the crazy things that I did. Yeah. crazy quote unquote, okay let's be real it was that crazy <laughs> took a weird job okay chill out dude um, <laughs> you know um and so i would say that the live with that stress obviously knowing that it ends up well right if i knew it ended up poorly i'd be like yo become an actuary <laughs> shut up you know <laughs> get over yourself um but knowing what's happened i just wouldn't have spoken to myself i would have been like hey you're gonna you're gonna hit some some lows you're gonna hit some weird spots you're gonna make some terrible decisions but ultimately it's gonna end up fine and so yeah i would just i wouldn't even accept it i wouldn't even talk to myself <laughs> i would say just, yeah oh, oh, you just walk past you be like he's got it yeah. he'll figure it yeah, out yeah he'll figure it out you know <laughs> And honestly, I couldn't even talk. To, I'd be like, you want to grab a coffee? I'd be like, nah, man, I'm too broke. I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing, man. Glass of water, maybe? <laughs> you know? The, the free um, cups of water at Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it would even let me in Starbucks. They'd be like, are you going to buy something? I'd be like, nah, man. I'm broke. <laughs> broke, broke, broke. I just paid rent. Spending time with you, like the past few hours was such a gift thank you so well, much likewise it was a pleasure uh hopefully you know i i learned a ton this was a lot of fun <laughs> emily I, I listened to all of your podcasts and it's weird to be on it now um and so yeah just keep doing what you're doing this is a lot of fun hopefully you get some some out of this we definitely do so really appreciate you having me on it's um uh, i uh you probably heard this already but um i need this podcast more than people know <laughs> right so people coming on and, and hanging out with me is is something that i'm incredibly thankful for and i just keep on getting surprised every time i ask somebody and they say yes <laughs> yeah i mean i think we're very similar in that sense right so like automate all the things is yeah it's a stream to teach people things but it's also like a stream to teach me things right and so like i'm very i understand very much how something could mean something to other people and you're always like but it means more to me uh, <laughs> and so but know that that the, the podcast is great and uh 
I, I do wish it all the best and I wish you all the best. And I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. The, the way that I book in the podcast at the end is um, uh, I reintroduce myself, say where people can find me, right. throw it over to you. And then we head out of here. Sure. Good plan. Yeah, go for it. Great. Okay. Well, hi, everybody. Thanks for listening to the end. Um, my name's Emily Giordano. I'm a UX designer and a podcast person and a no-code fan. And uh, if you'd like to find me anywhere, uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at greatdesignlead. Greatdesignlead.com is my website. Um, and uh, you can email me at emily, E-M-I-L-Y, at greatdesignlead.com. And then I'll throw it over to Aaron, then we'll head out of here. Yeah, so I'm Aaron. I'm a stream person. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you can find, just yeah, tweet at me is the best place. So uh, Aaron Core, A-R-O-N-K-O-R on Twitter. Uh, you can find Automate All the Things at att.io. Uh, I will be creating content for Webflow. I would be extremely grateful if you watch it and you know <laughs> i appreciate it uh but yeah hit me up with with anything i read all of my emails dms uh aaron at att.io um and yeah huge thanks for or emily for having me here and wishing you all a, a great day all of that will be in the podcast description so you can just click and go and aaron i hope this is just goodbye until next time absolutely i'll talk to you soon have a great one emily <laughs>